opportunity tonight, Lord, to be in your presence. God, that you have created this New Testament church, God, for us to come together and be strengthened and be built up, Lord. God, we thank you that that this is a time of refreshing so that we can go out and, Lord, that we can let our testimony shine to this lost and dying world. God, I just pray right now that you would continue to set divine appointments for each person here, that God, you'd make them sensitive to the move of the Holy Spirit when they're to speak. And Lord, that you soften the hearts of those that you give them uh, a sphere of influence over. And Lord, as even they walk through the grocery stores and, and places of business, Lord, that they'd be attentive to your Spirit's leading as they look around and see, Lord, those who, who need you. God, I pray tonight as we continue in worship, not only in our giving, but in dividing your word, that, Lord, we would glorify you in everything we do. And Lord, as always, that we draw closer together, closer to you, and that we never leave the same, but always be changed. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, you can be seated. We have a rushers come. And Lord, I thank you for today, God. Lord, I thank you for this time that um, we get to give and tithe, God. And um, thank you for thank you for today. And I pray that tomorrow um, you would bless tomorrow too, God, and that you bless everyone here, God. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. He started praying. I had this really scratchy throat that I wanted to cough, and I was about to cough right when he said tithe. And I was afraid that that might sound like I was throwing, you know, I'm kidding. That's what people expect, right? Pastor to throw a big hand at that. Hey, uh, on the subject of uh, uh, financial blessings, so our curb and gutter is completed out there. Praise God. Yes. Amen. And um, I just wanted to display this because. Uh, so this is how God works. We needed somebody to make it affordable to us, and we were being told uh, turnkey was $13 a linear foot up to $15 a foot. is going rate, and apparently it's climbed recently with all the construction. So we couldn't find anybody under 13 So uh, the guy that we got was usually $15 a foot. He had us write a check for $15 a foot, but he wrote us back a check today for $4,120, which... so. So that brought it down to $11 a foot. That's cheaper than anybody else. And that's materials and everything. So he didn't make any money. I started figuring up, and he had, I don't know, seven or eight guys out there for four days. There's not really any way he could have made any money on it. So God, no, curb and gutter, curb and gutter, the cur- the curb, the concrete curb outside. And so a uh, little update. Um, we're also Mike Brew that's been coming. Uh, he's been in commercial concrete. He has uh, offered to work out a deal to do our sidewalks with a little bit of help uh, in exchange for tools for of the trade so he can get back in the business. And it's going to be a very good deal for us. And um, so be praying for him, though. It's a lot of work, and he's going to just have a few helpers. And um, so we're going to be forming up sidewalks Friday, pour on Saturday, and uh, hopefully, pray, hopefully be able to pour 269 feet or 68 feet of five-foot-wide sidewalk all along the front. We have to do that because that acts as the curb for asphalt. So we need to get all of our sidewalk in too 
so we can get the asphalt company out there. Sheetrock is still going, and they're making progress. However, um, the acoustics, which aren't here tonight, we have other RVers. Hi, everybody <laughs> here. And um, the acoustics are leaving Friday. They have to go for appointments, so they will be down another person. We're already on a pretty small crew for hanging the big pieces of sheetrock. So uh, Ray has volunteered to go out there uh, at least two or three days a week. No, I'm kidding. I'm getting back. He was teasing me before service about something. <laughs> no, uh, anybody that's available to come out and help, um, even if you can't do heavy lifting, uh, there's a few folks that are just there to grab things for them and help them hold something while they, you know, so it's, it's I need help. I'm trying to help where I can, but um, I've been running to get forms for concrete. It seems like I get pulled away a lot, so I'm not a lot of help to them. Uh, so that's that's a, a need. So that's been awesome. And um, uh, let's see, our sign, they are still working on our sign. Uh, George and Carol Severn, so our founding pastor that passed away, his mother and father live in Gentry. And uh, they've driven by, but too shy to come in. So I'm going to hopefully take them over to see the sign being built because it was their son that named the church. And so, um, again, for those of you who don't know, we're, we're going all out with a sign, about 40-foot sign, three-and-a-half-foot letters um, to across the front of the building. So it has a um, visual. It, it's supposed to be visible from 1,500 feet, and we're a whopping 214 feet from the road. So <laughs> no one has an excuse for missing our sign. If, if they do, we should maybe give some benevolence for them to go to the eye doctor. But anyway, um, it's, going, it's going good. Um, Let's see, I was trying to think. Oh, remember that May 18th and 19th, we're going to Camp Eagle Rock, uh, the Eagle Rock Retreat Center, and uh, barn houses. Everybody, I think, knows, but wave your hands. Uh, Rick and Debbie have uh, made it uh, available and affordable for us to be able to go. Uh, any adults 18 or older, it's just a donation. Suggested donation of $15 a person. That's $5 a meal. Um, if you can't, don't worry about it. Now, um, I'm going to tell you a little bit about what it's about. I don't want you to, to cancel yourself out of it if you don't think you fit this. But we are, we are looking at anyone. We want anyone who's involved in ministry now to plan to go. And if you would like to be involved in ministry and maybe just don't know where, we want you to go. Um, we are tapering down uh, the grand scheme of things, what we're doing a little bit, and focusing mostly on hospitality. But that branches into about every area of ministry. And kids ministry. So children's ministry and hospitality is where we're going to spend the majority of our time. We will have breakout for youth. So uh, there'll be youth ministry, young adults. We'll talk about those things. But the major majority, because we need people in the parking lot and in the foyer. And, and I've got some ideas uh, about folks who will be, if you can imagine, like concierge at a hotel. Those people that are just right there to meet needs, anticipate the needs before they're needed. And so um, we, we actually had something like that going when we met in school years ago. And it was great, and I was a part of that. Uh, I was on that team, and so I'm excited about bringing that back. We had, we had a, in the school cafeteria, we had a ice chest full of uh, ice down bottled water. Hi, Robin. Glad to see you up here. And uh, then we had, like, I wore a fanny pack with mints and real hankies, not the little packages of throwaway tissues, but we gave out real hankies. And when people would be crying in the service, we'd just inconspicuously go over and hand that down. And it's funny, people would come back later and say, you want me to wash this at home and bring it back? Like, no, that's just yours. But we try to do everything with excellence and, and let people know we love you and we want to take care of you while you're here. And so there are a lot of great ideas we'll share uh, at that. May 18th and 19th is a Friday evening and Saturday till early afternoon. Uh, we won't be any later than 3 o'clock in the afternoon. 
probably not much later than lunchtime. But we'll have Friday evening dinner, breakfast Saturday morning, Saturday lunch, and then uh, a, a session or two after that, and then it'll be done. If you're off Friday or want to take off Friday and come out earlier, we'll probably do some little playing around out there. It's very beautiful property. Have a bonfire Friday night. Is everything I'm saying in line? Okay. Okay. De Debbie's looking at me like, oh, no. He's offering the world. <laughs> four-wheelers? He might be out on four-wheelers. Just, just bring an extra kidney for transplant afterwards, I'm telling you. <laughs> 18th and 19th it's a friday and saturday may 18th and 19th coming up soon so i mean there'll be a it, it'd be mostly pretty casual i mean we do have some structure to it but it is also a getaway you do need to bring your own linens for twin twin size bed right these are cabins where we may have where some ladies stay all in one cabin is this correct and the men stay in another but you have your own bathroom Whereas when I stayed there a long time ago, there's one big lodge and all the men went up or stayed downstairs and you had like a community shower. So this is this is a, a is better than camping and it's a, a, a great facility. Um, I remember herds of deer just wandering through there. I mean, it still does. It's really a beautiful place. So um, plan to be there. We'll have a good time. I'm trying to think. Is there anything else? Prayer at Robin's house on Tuesday nights, except for when they have ladies meeting, and then the prayer is here. But prayer at Robin's house at 6 p.m. on Tuesdays till 7, and her house is just within a block, block and a half or so of the church. Uh, C Street, which we're on, you come down here and it tees into, you see this green and white house, and you just jog to the left a little and go down, and when you get to the next stop sign, her house is on the corner on the right. And so... Um, we've been having a good time. I've gone twice now, and it's been good. Uh, I need some other men there because I'm getting outnumbered by the ladies. <laughs> if my boys weren't there, we'd be really outnumbered. So come. But um, can I tell the structure? Okay, so she what she does is has everybody go around and, and uh, mention prayer needs. And then you don't have to pray out loud if you want to, but what we do then is go in a circle. Robin starts and begin to pray, and we pray for those needs around the circle. Um, it's really, really a great time. And been a blessing so make sure you you come if you can and uh what are you going to do if you get too many people robin you're going to still keep it we're going to go out in the yard in the summer okay all right i offered to use the church here and she said no she it's special to have at the house and i understand that okay well all right i want to get into our message tonight and um i'm gonna i'm gonna open it this way <laughs> i love when god gives me just you know, something that day of I'm preaching or that week before to just say, uh, this is maybe why you're preaching this. But so I'm having a pretty uh, good day. I wasn't able to stay out at the property much because I was going to get materials and do this and that. But it was a good day. I'm thinking, man, we're getting our sidewalk issue solved. I mean, there's still a little pressure because it's got to be perfect. The ADA requirements for commercial is just, you know, we got we spent all these all this time in the plans and doing all this. But like we're forward movement. And we got people doing sheetrock, and we're, we're getting that done. And pretty soon, you know, we'll have the pavement. And so I'm feeling really good. And I, I make a stop uh, by somebody's house, and their neighbor comes over to talk. And I thought that the person looked familiar and, and talking a little bit. I think we'd met before. But um, have you ever run into someone that even if you don't know them, they can almost drain the life out of you? Like in that conversation where I'm going, I really got to go because I got to get ready for tonight. For about an hour i heard every I, I was i was being told every dirty detail on any 
contract or anybody we could deal with and all the, you know, just negative, negative about it. And just, I just feel myself going, I don't need this today. I don't need this today. And I told my wife, I said, I really, we've been focused on spiritual warfare, but I'm like, I really think the enemy set that thing up because I'm doing good. I'm in there. I'm going to be out of there. I'm going to finish, uh, uh, focus on my sermon and then be ready to see all you. And, and just in about an hour's time, I just, my shoulders even, I think, were hanging. I'm home. Just, you know, we, we often downplay sometimes the word hope and what it means. The word of faith. But, but hope, hanging on to hope in this world with all the negativity, it's very difficult. And, and then we go to God's word and we're looking at accounts that are over two, you know, 2,000 years ago. And trying to look into these folks' lives and, and see what God did in them and then feel like this is going to happen to me. I need to have hope. But, but you're like, God, I need to see it now. I need to see something more recent. You know, hope is the countermeasure to fear. I don't know if you know that. Hope is a countermeasure to fear. I, I try to be as candid as I can and try not to be offensive to anyone. And if anyone here doesn't know me very well, um, you know, I grew up in churches where the average age was more than a new song. It, it was, uh, I, so I've been in, my mom and dad used to drop me off at the nursing home across the street from her church to be entertained all day while they worked at the church. And I'd watch the guy that painted with his toes, paint paintings, and I'd go and talk to, you know, uh, adopted grandmas down the hallway. And I've been in hospitals and funeral homes and uh, 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 um, care homes most of my growing up life. And so I get in a church that has more young people, and it's, it, it's a little different for me because my dad pastored a lot of church with older people. But one thing I've noticed that the older we grow, we are more and more susceptible to being driven by fear because it doesn't take long through life of dealing with life's problems and struggles and seeing how jobs can wear you out and not turn out like you thought or retirement funds not turn out like you thought or so many things. And before we know it, fear is driving our hope into the ground while we're young and idealistic you know i grew up i'd hear my my parents uh you know my dad preaching and as he got older and i'd hear him getting worried about the future and worried about retirement which is natural and we do then i find myself now at only 44 years old i start thinking wow retirement's coming if i retire i don't know not all preachers retire right but if i retire then i, I need to start thinking about that i mean i'm 44 right and so, but hope is a countermeasure to fear. And all fear is rooted in control over man. As I heard this man spew about this person and how you don't want to do business with them and this person and that they've done this person wrong, and I thought, I thought you know, cause several times I tried to tell him, I said, well, that's all fine and good, but I get up every morning just trusting God that he's going to protect me because I can't watch out for every single snake under every rock. And, and I really don't feel like it does me any good to sit and focus on what might be and what happened. But then I realized, you know what? That's been a lot of my issue through the building project. I'm worried about not today. I'm worried about two months from now, when we're going to finish. And so it's control over man-made things that tend to get me worked up. And that's where my fear is rooted. It's all good to say we trust in God and then turn around and complain about man. But fear comes from the perception of reality of, of uh, that, that lack of faith in the stability of, of security. In other words, um, 
Dave Ramsey, Financial Peace University, teaches faith-based uh, financial planning, and he says women have a security gene. And, and men, if you ever do anything that, 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 um, that attacks that security gene, you'll find life gets really rough. You know, a, a lady cannot be materialistic and not care about being rich, but if you don't have any money in the bank and the tire blows, that security gene gets attacked. That's why Dave Ramsey says it's you know, a good idea to have a little money emergency fund stuck back so there's, there's things that sh- shouldn't be emergencies aren't. But, you know, I don't think it's just ladies. I think I have a security gene. You know, I, my brakes started going on my truck recently, and I was all happy that I was going to be able to replace them quick, and I pulled that apart. You know, it's, it's kind of a thing. How fast can I change them, right? I'm still young, so it's not how right I can change them, how fast I can change them. So I get the wheels off. I'm using my dad's impact, boom, 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 like the NASCAR. I get it off, and I knew that there was a little drag in the brakes, and everything's looking good. I had a sliver of pad left, and the rotors were looking good. I was like, woo, near miss, until I pulled off the very last one, and there's no pad, and that rotor is just. <sighs> now, on a four-wheel drive, you got to pull the hub, for all of you that know what that's like, and it was a pain. And I was like, I'll just slap pads back on. It'll smooth it back out eventually. <laughs> But when that, when, when that happened, then I thought, okay, I got everything together. In the last two days, I feel like my wheel, I keep imagining like my wheels, I didn't get the lug nuts tight enough. I turn, I feel a little popping. I'm like, uh, and, and so every part of my day while I'm trying to worry about bigger things, I'm sitting there thinking, I really need to stop and take care of that. I'm fearful something's going to happen, right? And, and our days so many times are driven by little fears. It's not often the big fears that messes up. It's just fearful of every little thing. But then there's the big fears like permanent loss of freedom in life. And you know how fast things change? I mean, take a little journey with me for just a minute about a year and a half ago. I have heard hardly anything about ISIS in a long time. Have you? Of course, we don't have uh, cable and all we have is Netflix at home. Is there any news? Have anybody heard anything about ISIS? Did we kill them all? They're all in Syria. But are you, hear, are you hearing daily reports about it? No. What do you hear most about news? I'm, I'm actually asking. I don't know. What's, what's mostly on the news right now? Syria. Okay. So we hear it. But how, how many months do you know? I, I feel like there's been a lull. Has there not? In that. It was Trump for a long time, right? And, and so I th- whatever is the most fearful is what they're going to report because that's what sells. Fear sells. So whatever's going to get us worked up and make us watch more to worry about what we can't fix, right, that will sell. Our world outside the body of Christ is driven by this fear and has lost all hope. Terror on race, religion, and financial status, murder and mass revenge, thrill killing, wars and rumors of wars, sickness and disease. Where is our hope? Well, I would challenge you to say that we just celebrated Easter, Resurrection Sunday, when, when Christ rose from the dead, when all hope was lost on Friday in the ma- uh, minds of man. Luke 23:54 says this was done on late on Friday afternoon the day of preparation for the sabbath but i'm going to challenge you that the hope then is still the hope now that he is still on the throne 
Throughout the season, we, every year we celebrate Palm Sunday, which leads to Good Friday, and then Resurrection Sunday. But what do we call the Saturday that falls between Good Friday and Easter? What do we call that Saturday? Do you ever give any thought to the Saturday? We get to Good Friday and we jump to Resurrection Sunday, but there's a day in between. Does it have any significance? Does it mean anything at all? What's so significant about that Saturday? Does it have to have a special name? You could call it Holy Saturday, or some, some call that their Sabbath. It seems to merely be a verbal bridge between Good Friday and Easter, only to get you from Friday to Resurrection Sunday. The biblical account devotes one lone verse to that Saturday. Just one. Not a single gospel writer records a meaningful event that took place on Holy Saturday. Yet in many ways, Saturday, when Jesus was in the tomb, should be significant, should be a significant high point, in fact, for the church and for our agenda that he's given us. Saturday has to be more than a time when we say, yesterday he died and tomorrow he'll rise again. See, what I want to focus on tonight is the fact is most of us in our lives were living in the Saturday. Because, because the things that had died in our life, we have laid down, right? When we were water baptized, we laid down. And we, we said we rose again like Christ. We identified, it's come up a new creature. But, creature, but the, the truth is most of the time our attitudes and our actions is like we're still stuck in the Saturday. We're still stuck wondering what's going to happen to the the dead things in our life. So what's the big deal about that Saturday? For many, if it's spring in the air, it's a wash the car, mow the lawn, or take a walk, or just rest in a hammock, or others will buy grocery for Sunday's Easter dinner. It's a big preparation for Sunday, but what happened on Saturday between Good Friday and Easter? And to the untrained eye, it'd be nothing at all. It's not mentioned much. It's not thought about much. The body of a recently crucified man would be on a slab in a tomb, bloodied, discolored, rigid with rigor mortis. It would be a hideous sight if we were to see it. But we can't because it's behind a sealed boulder that plugs the entrance. But in heaven above and on earth beneath, far from the human senses, there is enough activity to change eternity. Demons are raging, some shrieking in fear. Satan has been stripped of all authority and power. And that's what we've been talking about, about the spiritual warfare, about what authority we have over the demons and over Satan. You know, we just uh, talked about hell. The fact that, you know, Satan doesn't even want to be in hell. The demons don't want to be in hell. Remember, we looked at the demonized man who, who when, the, when the legion of demons said, send us in the pigs because they didn't want to go to hell. In the end, the devil and his demons and everyone thrown into the lake of fire, right? So he doesn't even want to be there. Christ has opened paradise, ushering both the thief who died uh, by him on the cross who repented that day and, and those who had believed in the coming Messiah through the ages. The angels of heaven are rejoicing. The dead man's father no longer has his back turned towards his son. There is a sense that, the, that a celebration is about to erupt 
at any moment. And that's, my friends, is where I believe that we should live is in that excitement. Because yes, we rose again and left the old man down, but we live as if we're just stuck in that Saturday. We need to realize that, they, uh, that Christ has done far more for us than been crucified. He rose again. There's so many that when Jesus said, it is finished, they felt as if truly everything they knew dear was finished. It was kaput, it's over with, it was concluded. If you don't believe me, you go ask the large man, the one that was sobbing in the corner, the Simon Peter, a short time ago, in fact, only 48 hours earlier, he never would have believed that it would come to this, others would deny you, he had told his master, but I will never so even for Peter, he felt like it was unfinished. Simon could still hear the rooster crowing. He could still see Jesus turning his bloody face, looking at him over his shoulder and locking his eyes as though to say, I told you, I told you, but you wouldn't listen. So they all feel it's finished. The rooster, rooster crows again in the backyard of Caiaphas, the high priest. You remember his role. The same rooster Simon Peter heard last night, the same rooster who rendered his shrill, lonely indictment. But the crow of the rooster means something different to Caiaphas than it did to Simon Peter because the rooster crows again in the backyard of Caiaphas, the high priest. And finally, he thinks as he rises from his bed, finally rid myself of that charlatan, that, that one who says he was the way. For three years he was a thorn in my side, and now it's finished. You can go down the list. We can think about Pontius Pilate as he washed his hands, and the next morning his hands feel sticky as if there's blood on there. He says, it can't be. Pilate's wife is sleeping even though it's, it's a mid-morning on a Saturday, and she usually doesn't sleep in, and she's, she is this type A personality, but she has not been sleeping well lately, and she thinks too, now it's over, it's finished. The guards, you can go down the list. All of them, Saturday, it's finished. Saturday, it's finished. Even Barabbas, the one that they released, you remember? It doesn't feel so bad after spending his first night of freedom following several years of captivity, and he feels like he may be dreaming, but he feels like the luckiest man to be alive. Lazarus, Martha, Mary, captivated by their own thoughts of grief and they, they feel too it's Saturday, it's finished. But is it really finished? A lot of us think when, when we've given our heart to Christ and we're following Him and, and things start to go wrong and we're like, Lord, where are you? Where are you? It's like it's a Saturday and it's like He's finished with us. We don't hear His voice anymore. We don't know what He's trying to do but it's not finished. The only thing finished on Saturday is the power over sin, death, hell, and the grave. It's no longer in the hands of Satan, but in Jesus. Pontius Pilate will end his days washing his hands in a lake nestled in the Swiss Alps, banished from Rome. Caiaphas will be disassembled and placed in a bone box, which will eventually be displayed in a museum a few miles from where Jesus was crucified. I mean, these aren't the kinds of, of legacies that these men thought they would be living, is it? Judas will become a euphemism for 
any villain or treachery. And gather tonight, well past Easter Sunday, we are like them. You see, we're all like Saturday people in a good Friday world. We are Saturday people when we notice that we are aging but still have hope for a brighter day. We're Saturday people when a child is born in, into this congregation and we believe that God can one day reveal himself to that new baby. We're Saturday people when we stand by the sickbed of one of our brothers and sisters in Christ and know that God can work even in this situation. As bad as it is, he can work it for the good. That's what Saturday people do is realize that there's a Sunday coming. I don't particularly like Saturdays. I used to. I mean, it's the day, if you're, you're talking about Easter, it is a good day between Friday and Sunday. There's a lot of anticipation. But for me, that used to be the weekend. And now that's the day, that, oh no, I still don't have my sermon done day. It's not as restful as it used to be. Pastors try Mondays, they try Fridays, and they switch around. I'm learning that. You switch thinking, this surely is the day to take. But Saturday is the gap between our faith and its fulfillment. That's what that Saturday was really about. It's the gap between our faith and its fulfillment. It's that waiting period. That's what strengthens us. That's what, bu that's what builds us up is the waiting period between the faith. It's like prayer meetings, Robin, right? We, we put our heart out there and we tell, you know, my mom tearfully talking about her sister felt like a twin to her because of the way that they grew up. And now she has to find the strength to say, Lord, if you need to take her, I don't want her to suffer anymore. And that waiting, that Saturday waiting, that, that, that time between our faith and the fulfillment. And God will serve you no matter whether it's death or life. That's what Saturday people do. Winston Churchill thought he would die young, unmourned, and forgotten. I always used to say I'd die young. I remember my sister and I having a talk when I was 16. I said, yeah, I'll die pretty young. Well, 44 was old then, so I think I'm okay. <laughs> I think Young was 20-something back then. I, I don't remember being so horrified when I passed my uh, my past uh, my 20s, but 30 was scary. I was like, oh, no, this is, this is it. This is the end. But Winston Churchill, he thought he'd die young, and in his 90s, he planned his own funeral. Can, has anybody started planning their own funeral? I've told Jen some requests. She's denied all of them. Actually, I want candy bowls and streamers and <laughs> some really loud music playing. Maybe just stand me up in the corner with like this. She won't do any of it. Maybe y'all can help me out and persuade her. Well, he wanted to include numerous eulogies, the grand hymns of the church, uh, and portions of a powerful Anglo Anglican liturgy, and the grand... Uh, denouement, if you will, was to take place after the benediction when he, uh, when he had signed a bugler in the dome of St. Paul's Cathedral would play a mournful rendition of taps. Sounds very, very ceremonial. Then after the lull, when the last echo of taps was finished, another bugler, that would be me, be last chair trumpet, be the first one out. Anyway, <laughs> Another bugler was instructed to begin playing Reveille. 
and, and, and with an emphasis of, it's time to get up, it's time to get up, it's time to get up in the morning. You just play the good morning song for me at my funeral. Good Friday is our taps. Easter is our reveille. And Saturday is the brief lull between the two. It's a short interval of doubts and shadows. Emphasis on short. That's what the Lord's been leading me to preach for over a year and a half about not being minded in the temporary, but at the eternal. That literally, if you can get up in the morning and your goal is to try to look at everything around you that you can see, touch, and feel as temporary and say, okay, Lord, now reveal to me the eternal. Now, now I see what's in front of me in the natural, but give me the eternal. Those family members I've been praying over that I worry about, I realize that sometimes you have to say, God, they are not mine, they are yours. I release them to you and I am trusting you with them. That job, God, I know that you own the cattle on a thousand hills. I don't really need a cow. Maybe a burger once in a while would be good. But I know you'll feed me. I know you'll clothe me. And I'm releasing my worries to you because there's always another Sunday with you. There's always another Easter with you. It's when Caiaphas cackles and Peter cries. It's when society mocks us for believing such an absurd, strange story. On Saturday, the world makes its statement. It's like when I was talking to one of our uh, contractors out there and we were having lunch and he and we've been talking about uh, uh, folks that are dealing with drug addiction and he says, my brother's dealt with that and I started talking about some of the spiritual things I've encountered and I believe it's very much a spiritual attack. And he was just certain, said, no, no, it's psychological. There's lots of studies. You've got to understand, there's lots of studies about this. And I wanted to, but out of being compassionate, I didn't. I wanted to say, and how far are those studies done to release people of that bondage? There's a lot of explaining that goes on during the Saturday. Can you imagine? Jesus died on the cross, all his teachings. Can you imagine all the people who have heard him milling over that on Saturday? Well, he said this, but apparently that's not true. He said this, but apparently that's not it either. They thought he was the answer for everything, but apparently not. And that's what happens when you don't have faith. You get stuck in that Saturday mode, but it's the wrong kind of Saturday mode. It's the one that's looking back at Friday, not the one looking forward at Sunday. And that's why I wanted to preach this tonight is because we get past Easter Sunday and we have that big focus on the resurrection. And yes, we tell people Jesus died for you, but we don't, we don't realize that we have to live every day like tomorrow is Sunday. We are expecting Jesus to come again in the clouds and take us home if we haven't already been put in the grave, but take us either way, but take us home. That's the Saturday mentality we need. We stand against the tide of humanity and we shout to the heavens, it's not over. He has completed his task, but it's not finished. And when I stood here and all that spewing this afternoon, just hours, a few hours before I'm preaching to you now, and, and it's just seeming like it's sucking the life out of me, I left there and I had to start praying. I listened to worship music and I started just realizing, I'm like, why am I letting a man who has no hope for tomorrow change my today? Jesus is coming back and all this stuff he's worried about is all temporary. Why am I letting myself get stuck in the temporary? Brief, momentary. But it's Saturday and praise God, it's most definitely not finished. 
When we take communion, we're not tonight, but we will soon, but when we take communion, it's exactly what we're reminding, getting ourselves back in the mindset of, is, listen, whenever you take this, remember what I did for you so that you don't forget that you're not going to be stuck eternally in the Saturday. But, but your Sunday is always coming. Your Sunday is always coming. Now, I'm, I'm going to give us a little bit of time to pray. And I've just felt strongly that, that uh, maybe some are letting, whether it's work or whether it's family issues or whether it's just relationship issues in, in general. Um, Jen and I carry burdens, too, for others. We've got uh, people that aren't even in this church that we carry burdens for. And um, w- right now there's a, there's a family where the, the parenting, um, it's not, they're not abusing their kids. It's just... Uh, we're bewildered at approaches sometimes and, and worry for kids and and uh, we carry those burdens. And so th- there's times when we feel like it stacks up so much, we have to have a time of refreshing to say, Lord, I, I'm casting my cares on you. I, I need you to remind me that Sunday's coming. And literally I'm saying like every Sunday, we look forward to Sunday because we know that's when we get up and shout and praise with our family. And that's why it's so important that we take advantage every time we come together, be built up. When I'm talking about releasing yourself unto the Lord and totally surrendering, and I mean calling out his name out loud, and if you have to shout, if you have to jump, whatever it is, but the Lord, even through that emotion, even through those outward actions, can release you of that looking back at Friday and worrying about what's already happened or what you can't control. So we're going to spend a little time in prayer. I'm going to ask Nathan probably just dim, dim some of the lights down, um, take some of them down. And if you want to pray at your seat, that's fine. If you want to come up to the altar, fine, wherever you feel led to go. Um, but we're about 15 minutes ahead of when we normally get out. So just take time. And we won't have a formal dismissal. Just when you feel released, um, if you want to visit, go out in the foyer. And um, we love you and God bless you. Just have a good time of spending time with the Lord.